Justin Baldoni. Oh my God, you got um, good pitch, Liz. Is that my, my new ringtone? Where <laughs> in um, the world <laughs> is Justin Baldoni? You did okay, not now we cannot play mine and yours afterwards. That's no, 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 not do allowed. It, do it again. <laughs> Your pitch is more than perfect. <laughs> Everyone, uh, welcome to the Man Enough podcast. Uh, I'm Jamie Heath. I'm Liz Plank. And Justin Baldoni is it's not with here. us and not with us. He's not yes. with us. His phone died. We already filmed the episode with our next guest. I mean, it means a lot when someone uses their last 1% of battery for you. So that's yeah. what Justin did for this episode uh, with indeed. Gavin DeGraw and for all of you. Justin got his phone to zero percent and then went to dinner without it because it needs to charge. So <laughs> intervention right. over here. Um, um, so that's a first for us, Liz. <laughs> I, I, it is. It's always an exciting adventure on the Man Up podcast. There's no episode is the same. And that's what I love about it. <laughs> well, listen, come, come back and uh, join us. We're going to take a quick break. We got Gavin DeGraw with us. He's really wonderful and shared a lot of gems with us. So um, we'll be right back. This is Man Enough. All right, welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. And uh, Gavin DeGraw is with us. Please forgive me, Gavin. I'm on uh, I'm on spring break with my four and my six year olds. So Great. Uh, if you see a naked bottom uh, coming to screen, it's that's my. It's definitely not mine or my wife's. That's my. It's one of the two uh, little kiddos running around here right now. Uh, just okay. preparing you. Um, so excited and happy to have you on the show. Happy to mm -hmm. be here. Liz Plank, let's get to it. Who do we have here? We are joined today by none other than Gavin DeGraw, a Grammy Award nominated and multi-platinum singer and songwriter. He's a rare talent that can share the stage with Billy Joel, one of his idols, uh, the Allman Brothers, mm. Maroon 5, and Shania Twain. Uh, Idols. So those are no Thank you. big. Yeah, th those are awesome people to share a stage with. Uh, and in your seventh full-length album, Face the River, uh, you recount the meaningful memories and valuable lessons in life, uh, bearing witness to the wonderfully wild little life led by your lay parents, uh, Lynn and John Wayne. And mm. it's uh, really a pleasure to have you with us on the podcast today. Uh, honored to be here. Thanks for really uh, sweet. Thanks for that introduction. That's that's unbelievably generous and uh, and and cool of you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride uh, so far, and uh, none of it would have happened without, uh, in my opinion, without having a really fucking awesome set of parents uh, like I had. Mm -hmm. I think I really hit the jackpot mm. there. You know, I love how you talk about your parents. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I mean, they. Uh, they they didn't have money, but the the silver and gold was uh was their uh the time they put in uh with the you know with their kids and um they made us feel like there was never a, a never a, a wall too high to climb over or or run through. What know? a sweet thing to hear you say, you know. Thanks, there's so man. many of us. Believe, that I, my I parents, my parents as well. Um, well, my parents divorced when I was about 10, but my father's been remarried mm -hmm. since just shortly after, and they've been together, mm -hmm. you know, 40, 40 years. Jeez, that's aging. That's me, incredible. Yeah, uh, 40 years. So I've had a good, good representation of what marriage can look like. 
and real love. Yes. And um, yes. my mother, of course, is still super close to me, but in terms of marriage, right. and to talk about parents in that regard, it's really sweet to hear, hear you acknowledge right. that. And also to hear a man acknowledge that we, you know, uh, because the fact that that would even matter to you is really sweet. I don't know if you know a lot about our podcast, but our goal here is to go as deep as possible and shed okay. all the armor, shed all the masculine masks that we have to wear every day and go into mm -hmm. the heart of who we are as people. So the first question we mm -hmm. always ask is this. When mm -hmm. was the last time you didn't feel enough? Uh, I didn't feel like I was enough? Yeah. Uh, you're saying oh, so like a self-reflective moment of feeling insignificant as, Insecure, as, as, a, as a man. As a human, as a man. When was the last time you didn't feel like you were good enough? When you didn't feel like you didn't measure up? You didn't measure up. Probably when, I, probably when I took my shirt off this morning and I saw my tits. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I thought first, I need to work the, on those. That is the you are the first man to ever answer it that way. <laughs> oh man! But I relate, man. I got <laughs> I got my rid favorite of, one. I got rid of uh, a bunch of clothes. I'm in the process of moving, and you know, instead of taking crap to another yeah. place, I got rid of all this yeah. stuff and all these shirts. I was trying them. I was like, wait, my nipples are showing, and this, so I. I have to make sure I wear undershirts so that, you know. What's wrong with nipples? Nothing but something. That's not something I just. You know, because they're also a little bit lower well. than they used to be, you know. And, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So if they're that's high exactly nipples, it's right. fine. If they're low, getting low, it's well, you know, you know how it is. You, you know how it is. Like when you go to the gym and you just turn your back on the pull-up bar. You're yeah, like, right. I don't even want to look at that thing. I just don't even want to know it's there. It doesn't exist. That's right. Well, yeah. Gavin, let me ask you, because Justin did ask a great question. When's the last time you didn't feel yeah. enough? And yes, I, I, that's a great answer. Also, if you were to think of something besides that, that yeah. caused you to, uh, I don't know, possibly have some self-doubt or need a moment to, to gather through it. That happens to me all the time, man. I mean, I, I think as a man... I think men in general live in a constant state of insecurity for the most part because hmm. we we know that there's a level of expectation in being classically what a man is expected to do, be able to do whatever, you know. So, you know, there's a little bit of want to be superhero in each and every one of us, you know, and um and and we you know, those are those are expectations that are out there that we feel are you know, some things that we want to be capable of. Well, you know, I'm a die trying kind of guy, of course. If someone said, well, you can't do it, well, I'll be the first motherfucker to be like, oh, oh, really? You know, so, you know, that's just, that's my motivation. I, 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 I thank every person who ever told me I couldn't because, you know, they helped create the chip on my shoulder that made me want to do it that much more. So I, I, I think it's okay to have levels of insecurity paired with a level of, um, um, arrogance. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There has to be a, a, a pairing of those two ridiculous things because there has to be that other thing in you that's like, nah, I could figure it out. I'll figure it out. I have to fucking figure it out because I don't want to feel like this, like I can't do it. I have yeah. to be able to do it. Hmm. You know? It's like, you don't want to be the dude who can't hammer a nail. So why, so why is that? So Gavin, let's, I'm just curious. So why is that? Why do you think that is? And why is it so why is it so bad to be the guy who can't hammer a nail? The second worst thing you could be is incapable. Hmm. The worst thing you could be is a coward. 
But the second worst thing you could be is incapable, right? Mm. So everyone wants capable. Capable is required. Now, it doesn't mean that it has to be capable across the board of every single thing, but we need to have levels of capability, right? Because otherwise, what service are you providing? It's in order for society to function in a certain way, we have to be able to look at someone and go, well, well, that's the person who can hammer the nail, right? We all have our task, our talent, our our, our skill set, you know, our job, career, whatever, or the thing that we identify with that gives us value, personal value. And I think that's okay, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and, and, I, and I think it's okay to go, well, oh, uh, yeah, okay, I could hear hammer and nail. Be like, can I hammer and nail? I don't want to miss the fucking nail. I hit the board. I don't want to hit my hand. You know what <laughs> I mean? But I also think, like, you know, the, the, the sort of pressure that men face to be capable yeah. and to show that, right, at all costs and mm-hmm. not ask questions mm-hmm. and not, not ask for directions, mm-hmm. right? Um, actually, do you think that sometimes it makes you less capable because you have to kind of have that overconfidence or um, kind of figure it out on your own when, you know, if you were able to show vulnerability and ask a question, you'd actually be more capable? That that could work. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, you know... I'm bad at everything, but I'll try it all. You know what I mean? I mean, but I don't want to build my own house. I mean, I know I'm a shit carpenter. So for me personally, um, even with music, uh, I, I went off to college because I was told I should. You know, I'm going to these these singing lessons and, uh, and, and I thought the process was real peculiar and I wasn't feeling it. And I told the teacher, you know, I'm not feeling this. It seems like nonsense to me. And she said, well, I feel like you're the personality type that just wants to learn on their own, you know, and you probably will learn better on your own. You got just that personality mm-hmm. type, but you know, maybe my ego couldn't handle the way it was being taught to me. Maybe I was too sensitive at the time, the way it was being told to me. So I, I think that there's that too, you know? And it seems that your dad also championed that about you, right? Cause I was reading how, what, you went to yeah. school a second time, quit two times, yep. and your dad supported you and, like, gave you a lot of love yep. and praise for the fact that you were able to really go after what you wanted in life, right? Yep, <clears throat> a- absolutely. You know, my my parents were really both musicians, right? And so that was really a big part of the culture in my, in my household was the arts, you know. My parents were at Woodstock together, you know. My dad was, my dad was at Woodstock with my mother in 1969 with his draft papers, in his back pocket for Vietnam. They had a really complex love story as childhood sweethearts. He went off to uh, the military. He gets stationed in uh, Texas, then he gets sent to Germany and ends up riding out a few years there and gets sent home, avoids the war completely, thank God. My mother went off uh, to college and got married to somebody else. Um, So their lives took big, big major turns. And when they finally got back together, uh, he quit playing music and kind of got a normal job and stuff like that. And, um, when I asked him when I was about 20, uh, we went to, uh, the local garage. He went to, uh, pay the mechanic. His name was Frankie Stratton. Fucking great guy. <laughs> and, you know, it's a small town. So when you don't have money, a small town, they say, you know, pay me when you get the money, you know, and they're, they're, we're all neighbors, right? So my dad finally got his money and and he went and he paid Frankie. We get in the car and we go to drive to my dad's parents' house another mile up the road. And as we're driving, I says to my dad, uh, hey, dad, if you could change anything about your life, what would it be? And he said, uh, well, 
I never would have stopped playing music. So without hesitation, he had his answer, right? How, what he would change. And my dad was probably the age I am now when he said that to me. Yeah. Mm. You're listening to the Man Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Man Enough Podcast. Can we talk more about your dad and, and that relationship? Because I think for a lot of men, you know, going into the arts and being creative and being an artist, right, is not necessarily encouraged because it isn't this, you know, you were, you were talking about capability, right? You know, doing things yeah. with your hands and making things yeah. and making a lot of money. That's not necessarily yeah. a, a guarantee with being an artist. So, no. so did, did that ever come up for you, you know, that, or, or was he very sure. sort of encouraging of that artistry for you as a young boy? Very, very encouraging. And, and, you know, when he said that back to me, he said, never would have stopped playing music. I thought, I don't want to be the older guy sitting in the car yeah. thinking, man, I wish I would have chased my dream, mm. you know? And I won't be able to, uh, knowing that he was willing to tell me this so candidly, I'd be doing myself a disservice not to at least prove to myself that I couldn't make it happen at all, right? And um, so, so what happened was I, went, I ended up dropping out of my second school I'm almost going to drop out. I'm sitting in the car with my folks. I had family in the Natick, Massachusetts area. We're driving back to a, a campus area. And I said, yeah, well, I got to drop out. My window of opportunity is closing. They said, why do you say that? I said, because I'm getting old. I'm like 19, 20 years old, you know? And so, and but in, in the music world, you know, age is a very important thing. Age is an important thing. And in the popular music world, because it celebrates child talent, you know that your window of opportunity is always closing, right? The more years go by, the, it gets smaller and smaller, and you just have to slip in there. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> so I get out of the car, I'm all upset, because they're you know, saying, I don't know. I said, no, nah, I'm quitting. I'm definitely quitting. I'm paying to play right now, being in university. I need to go to the, get out in the real world because college is camp for old kids. That's what it is. Right. It's a halfway house. I get out the car, and uh, as I'm walking away, my father says, uh, you're my hero. And I says, what? He says, you're my hero. And I, I said, why would you say that to me? He said, because I never had the courage mm -hmm. to risk everything to, to play music. And that's why. It gets me emotional. Mm. <laughs> Thinking about it. Um, particularly on this album, because I feel like I finally did it um, in the purest way. I mean, the, I, I got to tell my father when I finished the record, I said, I, and he was at the end, he was at the end of his life and I memorialized them on the record and um, told their story. And, you know, I, I wanted to celebrate them. You know, I want to celebrate celebrate my folks. I want to celebrate my family. I desperately wanted to to um, legitimize all their dreams of of being artists. Hmm. You know, they were all artists, and I thought I want to validate this. I want to validate this. Do you feel like you did that? I do now. 
I do. I do now. I didn't. I didn't before. Gavin, can we talk about that? You know, that that, you know, are you comfortable talking about grief and, and losing your, your parents with us? I mean, I'm as comfortable as as I can be, you know, and I that's one of the reasons we waited so long to put the album out is because I wanted to let it breathe. I, I, yeah. Because I was just too close to it, you know, um, when I finished it and I, 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 I there was no way I could have said upon finishing the record. All right, let's go. Let's go out on tour and, you know, play these songs. I was just too in it, you know, yeah. emotionally. I think for a lot of of men, grief is a really difficult thing to go through, um, you know. And yeah. I, I uh, interviewed a lot of men who told me, you know, no one really touched me. No one really, you know, it, it's a lot of asking me about the logistics of the death, but not necessarily how I'm feeling um, yeah. as a result of the death. So I'm just wondering how that experience of, of, of grief as a man for you was? Well, it was a lot, you know, um, uh, I'll just reel it back for a second. Let's see. It was September 1st, 2017. My mom passed and that was, uh, and then, and then two weeks later, her mom passed my grandma. And then six months later, our, my granddad died. And then, so it was just a lot happening. And, uh, and, but immediately following her passing, I wrote a song called Hero in My House. And, um, because, because you realize the, the, particularly the significance of a personality in your life when they're not there anymore. Mm. Um, and I wanted to celebrate their significance and, uh, to point out the 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 sacrifices uh the sacrifices made how they are the sun in your world and so you know um when you're when you're looking at that and and you're you're thinking oh my god i i've been so protected you know because of this one mm. this person in your life there, there are you know um the, you know you know, the difference between like my mom and my dad would be my dad's advice to me was always run to the lion, right? If you're scared of something, attack it, right? Yeah. Well, my mother would be like, a lion? Well, let's think about this. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's, can we talk about your mom, Gavin? Yeah, that's not happening right now. I know. You know? Can, so. you, can we go and talk about your mom and, and what she meant to you? And like, what did you learn from your mom about what it means to be a man? Oh, man. She was an RN. She was a nurse, and then and then she uh, she wanted to get her uh, her master's because she thought, you know, if I get my master's, we'll, we'll family will make a little more money. We'll snap, but there's no way to pay for college. So then she signed up. She signed up. She joined Army Reserve. So then she's working. She's in the Corps, and then, you know she's getting that college money together. So she's working full time. She's going to school full time. She's going away. You know, uh, taking trips to you know out with the military here and there for training. She's driving an hour each way for work every day. You know what I mean? She was just, I mean, just run ragged. But sheltering us all from that, you yeah. know? You, you didn't even realize hmm. how uh, the struggle that this woman was going through and, and this, uh, this, this selfless sacrifice happening 
day in and day out right in front of you because they don't want to expose you to their torment of just survival. Yeah, you know, I'm interested because you speak about your parents with such admiration and love and speaking about your mom. Now, now I, to pivot a little bit, I, I am someone yeah. that desperately wants, I think all of us, want the world to look different. And I have two boys. I got two girls as well, but I got two boys who modeled their lives a lot after me. And yeah. I was raised also in the music industry, right? I have super successful uh, family that was, uh, um, you know, I was raised with all of celebrities and uh, your big fan is uh, Billy Joel. I mean, I was in the studio under the piano oh, yeah. while he was playing, recording his record at my family. Get out of here. Right? Yeah, I have like a lot of amazing, cool stories, right? So I was raised in this industry. As Hold well. on, Jamie. Yeah, you Jamie's a big deal. Does, does, Gavin, do you know Jamie's got a Grammy? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let, we don't I didn't know so, this. G tell Gavin's me. got Grammys, or you know, come on now, Jamie. Yes, okay. Jamie, tell me, tell me a little bit uh, why you were in that environment, and and who who placed you in that environment? What was well? The, I, I'll give you the the, was, the ten second version because I have a bigger question that's more important to me than my music career. But yes, okay. my whole life. Uh, um, I was born and raised in a family that was super successful producers, songwriters, artists called Sills and mm -hmm. Crofts um, that had a lot of hits. Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Oh, yeah. And, and all that. Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Yeah, of course. But you know what I've learned because I've come from this life. I've learned that there's some amazing things that come with it. And then there's some, uh, I'll just call it toxic things that mm. because of my success, because of my reach, mm. Mm. I was able to engage in things that many other friends were not. So sure. I was I, I was dealing yeah. with this dichotomy of wanting to be a good person in the world and also being mm. fed all this opportunity and uh, not always upholding the standard that I believe men should be or that I'd want my children to be. Mm. My question mm -hmm. to you, how do you, in an industry that you have achieved mm. such, such success, you're a good looking guy, you're in Vegas, that's, you're traveling you're the nice. world. You're doing we all. Gotta talk more. You make me feel good about myself. <laughs> you're doing all these. <laughs> you've had some, you know, wonderful hits, and 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 you know, you're a successful artist. Thanks, man. I've been lucky. I've been very lucky. Tell me how you how you handle that, uh, and and not just be and perpetuate the narrative that men are um, sex crazed, dumb people who don't care about each other. Um, you know. How, what do you do or do you feel differently than that? Do you feel like there's a responsibility in your life to represent what men can be in the world and how we can champion humanity? Wow. Big, beautiful, deep stuff. Uh, I definitely don't have all the answers here. Um, That's the point. <laughs> I, yeah, right. Exactly. I, I think to speak to speak to it the best way I can, everybody wants to be able to be a little bit of G.I. Joe but like a little bit of uh, charm school, you know, and like the gentleman. As I've gotten older, I've found myself enjoying and appreciating more what you classically call a true gentleman. And when guys, you know, it's usually that, that older dude who's just got that nice, soft approach of there's no almost no ego in it. They walk in, they make you feel like you matter to them. They mm. make everyone feel like they matter to them. Having the right amount of tenderness is key, right? Mm. But you also want, at least for me, as a as a boy, you know, if my kid is capable, you know, not everybody's athlete, an athlete, but if they're capable, I want them to be able to, you know, I, I want them to be able to stand up for somebody if need be, you know? And um, 
And even if they're not capable, they should. Because I also don't believe that the world is worth living on it if you're not willing to get knocked around on behalf of a principle if it matters to you. And um, because, like I said, there's nothing lower than a coward. I really believe that. What's a coward? I was actually, yeah. I was about, I was yeah. about, la- I was about to ask that question. Yeah. Was, what's a coward? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. What's a coward? Well, I'll give you an example. Just because you can't win doesn't mean you shouldn't engage. Mm. And that's what I mean. Uh, because, you know, if you see somebody getting knocked around by three people and you're there, you just should not stand for that shit. And, you know, and, and, and it's not about winning. It's about, it's about having a principle. You just don't let people get their ass kicked by themselves like that. That's just mm. personality type of mine. You know, it's not for everybody, but I can't watch it. I just can't, I can't watch it. And, and, uh, cause it's just so wrong. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that to me, that's a coward. I think it's such a great definition because I think most I, the, def, the definition I think I've heard a lot of men talk about is like standing up for yourself. But what you just said is standing up for others and standing up in service to others. That's correct. Yeah. Because we have a tribal responsibility to each other not to put up with becoming victimized by whoever's the meanest mm-hmm. or whoever's flexing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't want to live on a planet like that or in a society like that. So if right. you're not willing to get get involved, you know, don't get me wrong. Of course, there's scenarios where you're like, this is clearly a private matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, I, I really, I don't want to live if I have to, um, um, if I have to train myself to, to make that feel normal to me, to to not help somebody getting their brains kicked in. Sorry, I don't. I don't want to be in that society. That's not a society. Gavin, I, I, I'm curious. I got a question around that. I agree, by the way, completely. I recently had a conversation with my children because they're getting to the age where, believe it or not, at four and six years old, bullies are starting. It's also emotional. Big time. So, you know, talking, you know, and for years I've told my son the strongest muscle in his whole body is his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're getting to a place where, you know, not too long ago, one of, you know, his four-year-old friends was chasing my daughter around who's six. And we had to have a conversation around stepping up. And, you know, mm-hmm. while, his, while his sister doesn't need protecting, if he ever sees something, he must say something. And not only that... uh if they talk about girls, they got to stand up and he's got to say something. And it might be very scary because mm-hmm. he's maybe not the biggest kid in the class or they might be mean to him. But trying to teach my four-year-old boy now what is okay and what's not okay, not just to do, but to say. And that's something yes. that I feel like isn't talked enough about with us men. Because we focus so much on, in some ways, this heroic act of intervention and, and protection, if you will, right? In fact, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. G.I. Joe. I believe a lot of us men have these kind of almost um, strangely uh, perverse heroic fantasies where we imagine us being the saviors to people in our lives mm-hmm. because it helps us feel like bigger, stronger men, like we, were, like we mattered. And you mm-hmm. said, I don't want to live in a world where... 
I don't stand up for my principles. But so often I think we forget the little ways to stand up because so much damage is done before it ever gets into a physical altercation. The damage is done. I agree with you. When we're, done when, when we're at the club or a bar and one of our buddies is drunk and he grabs mm-hmm. a girl's ass or talks about some another woman that yeah. way. And so often I've seen mm-hmm. men, myself included, be paralyzed mm-hmm. in that moment. But my fantasy is, oh, if it was physical, I can jump in. But it's actually harder, I believe, to step up and stand mm-hmm. up to another man who's not being mm-hmm. physical because then we're mm-hmm. on the outs. Then it's like, oh, quit being a pussy. Oh, you know, and then all the names are called. And, mm-hmm. then, what, and then what are we? We're not really men mm-hmm. in that moment, right? We lose our man card. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you've experienced mm-hmm. that. You're a musician, you're on tour, you're playing nightclubs, you're playing nightlife. You got the boys will be boys around you oftentimes, mm-hmm. maybe the good old boys. Sure. Have you had to sure. step up, step in? Um, have you been, ever been afraid to do that? Cause you know, I, I also want this to be real. I want men to know like, yeah, we all fail at this. There's yeah. times I've failed. Jamie's failed. Sure. I, th- I think, I think, I think that there's, there's of course things that you let slide if they don't seem like a big deal. But of course I have a very hard time seeing, um, anyone get touched. You know, that's me. I hate bullies. You have no idea. No. Was idea. that cause you were bullied? Yes, I was bullied and I only got bullied because I didn't want to get in trouble at school because I knew I could have physically handled the bullies. But if I did something bad at school, then I'd get an ass whooping at home. So it was like, oh, this kid's popping shit. I could definitely handle this, but I don't want to get spanked. That's a real spanking, right? So I'd have to get permission at the house. Hey, dad, can I whoop this kid tomorrow? (laughs) <laughs> What'd he do? He did this. Yep, do it. Jeez. You know what I mean? Your dad was a, your dad was a prison guard, so, then, so he was no stranger to altercation. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So when I had, if I had a bully, then he'd be like, do it. I remember specifically asking about somebody. Can I whoop this kid tomorrow? Mm. Who is it? I told him. Can you, can you whoop him? I was like, definitely. Do it. Make sure everybody watches, though. Wow. Call them out in front of everybody. Make a show. Then, so, next day, he said, the kid said something. I was like, cool, I've been waiting for this. I finally got permission from dad. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, you know, once I did call the kid out, he was totally disinterested. He got punked and no longer was an issue, you know? So... So, you know, and, and so what the great irony is, unfortunately, when you're dealing with bully mentality, I believe you're dealing with criminal mentality. Right. Criminal mentality is predatory mentality, and predators know when they're dealing with something that's incapable of fighting back for whatever reason. Even if they're smaller, they could act like a bully. If they're bigger, they could act like a bully if they feel like you got your hands tied somehow. And it's the same way I view criminal mentality out in the, in the real world which is the laws apply to people who are willing to obey them. When you're dealing with bullies in school, if you're going to tell someone they're going to get in trouble in school for having an altercation, the kid who has the criminal mentality doesn't care about getting in trouble in school. So you have basically created an environment for someone to get bullied in school who doesn't want to get in trouble. So most kids don't want to get in trouble. All you've done is elevated the bully by creating parameters in which the criminal type of kid doesn't care about getting in trouble. 
So, and that's the way the whole world kind of works. You know? yeah, Gavin, I, I, I want to push back a little. I think a bully's a little bit different, to be honest. And, okay. You know, because most people, I don't think, had the maybe the father you had, and um, I, I know a lot of people that don't. I know I certainly didn't. Um, and sure. I also know a lot of young kids and people who were bullied that didn't necessarily have the means or the confidence as you did to be able to know that they could just whip a bully. And also a lot of people that don't believe violence is the answer. Oh, it's not the answer. So, but, but, um, but back to what your dad said, he said, yeah, do it and make sure everyone sees it. And what if that bully Mm -hmm. would have wanted to fight, right? What I think about bullies is I think bullies are hurting. I think bullies are insecure, sad. They have tough home lives possibly, and they are looking to exert power over someone who may be weaker so that they can feel better about themselves. No doubt. Let me jump in here with you while we got you here, okay? <laughs> before, I didn't I, say, before, before I break I up. didn't say. No, no, before, before, you, before we leave this moment, because where we are and it's still fresh, um, you don't have to whoop a bully to beat the bully. You have to be willing to whoop a bully to stop a bully because it's a predatory mentality. Because they're predatory and they think that there won't be a, a repercussion, you're creating an environment for them to flex. Suddenly, they typically would lose interest when you showed your utter willingness to engage that. You're calling their bluff. Right, basically, because mostly it's just a bluff game. It's it's a psychology. It's they have a predatory mentality. They're not necessarily hurting you. They're just having a predatory mentality. So when you engage it, you're removing some of that power over you when you finally challenge it. See, I don't know, know if that's the case. At least it wasn't for me because I was a mm. small kid, and you know, I'm. I'm a, a fairly large guy now, but I'm a, I was I was a small mm-hmm. kid and got physically hurt by bullies, mm. and would go home mm. and cry. And I would I had tremendous mm. anxiety. I I was hiding. I didn't want to go out mm. after. I didn't want to go out to the lunch. I would eat dinner away because mm. because sure, I sure. had various bullies that actually hurt me. And there's a lot of boys who right. aren't capable of standing up. You know, I'm thinking about disabled kids. I'm thinking about. Mentally, you know, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I'm so with you on this, and that I couldn't, I couldn't watch something like that. But so, what, what would be your your advice to your son then now in dealing with a bully? If you had a son, I believe, I believe that you know, some people are made for it, and some people aren't. And and you know, I I can't put people into the normal into little tiny boxes. I really think that there are people who are, you know. Who who would die for an ethic? They would die for an ethic gladly, you know? And there are people who just want to live no matter what they have to sacrifice on a, on an ethical level. So, you know, and, and so I think we're all designed very differently. And so, you know, um, I, but like I said, I don't necessarily believe in winning. I believe in principle. I love that, by the way. I love that. Because yeah. the winning, winning hurts us. It hurts us. It hurts so many men, this idea that we have to win. We have to be the biggest, the strongest, you don't the have fastest. To win. This idea that we're taught, no. that's ingrained in us, that hurts us so much. We just got to play. It does. We just got to show up. It, it, 
It does. And on occasion, you know, if someone is saying just the wrong thing to somebody for no reason other than to just be a, a, a dick, you know, on occasion, you just have to be like, hey, man, shut the fuck up, man. Why would you say that to them? You know, what, what did they do to you? You know, and and I think we I think it has to do with a, a lot more. And, and I because you're talking about your kids. Mm-hmm. I think one of the problems with with child rearing in general, the way we're raising children in general because we put so much value in, um, we, you know, children have been sort of brainwashed into thinking that, you know, you, you be nice to adults. Now, there may be some value into that, but I think kids are a little bit too brainwashed to say yes to things that they don't want to say yes to just because an adult is saying it. And I think that, I think that we're doing them a disservice in their early life by not freeing them up to say no more often. You know, well, I'm excited for you to have kids, Gavin, because my when my That's kids right. were two, they sure as hell said no all the time. <laughs> and and why not why not embrace that, right? It, well, there's not much like, you can do about it because it's no, 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 no. <laughs> that's a good thing. That that's a that's that's a good thing, you know. Um, I I don't know, I, like, but like, I can't. I don't have kids, but it's hard for me to speak to it. But I I I like the idea of freeing them up to. To be sweet um, with, with I, guidance I feel like, to I feel think like what for you're themselves saying, and embrace being. I feel like what you're saying is raising kids to be independent thinkers and Big time. and um, and not just and interpret the world around them. What I what I think our boys and our girls need is emotional safety with their parents to understand. As I said to my son, his heart is the strongest muscle in his body. He's got to learn it two, three, four years mm. old. Not just mm-hmm. to say no, but to express his feelings, mm-hmm. to cry, and mm-hmm. to know that boys absolutely cry, right. No, boys absolutely do That's okay. cry. It's not. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Sure. I'll I'll tell I'll tell you what. So so along the what along the lines of what you're talking about, when you talk like that, I think about how lucky I was yet again. My parents had such an open dialogue with me every step of the way. You know, there was never. Um, a moment I didn't feel like the relationship was too alien for me to ask them something mm. that was really bugging me or tell them something that was really bugging me. And, uh, you know, they're very, very much included in my evolution of, you know, from all through my, all through my, my life into my, into my fucking forties, you know, mm. So blessed, man. You're so blessed. But I also, in that way, I feel like perhaps that's why I didn't I didn't get married. I didn't have a family is because I was looking at what I thought was kind of the ultimate version of what could be. And I thought, I don't know if, how can that happen now? I mean, you know, and, and I can, ne- how am I going to be, how am I going to be the father that my father was for me? You know, it's a classic uh it's the tale of the Odyssey, you know. It's 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 you know Telemachus never feeling like he would be the man Odysseus was, you know, just trying to live up to the image of his father. It's a classic struggle of you looking at your hero, looking at your champion, and saying, "It's Mike Tyson looking at Muhammad Ali," you know, and going, "How could I be? I can't be that. Like I want to be that so bad. That's the greatest. How do I do that?" And um. And my father really created, my mother created that really that open, that really special 
open channel to tap into with them. Hey, what'd you do at school today? You know, like mm. anything bugging you? I felt like I was feeling the best friend relationship, but 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 I never doubted they they were my folks and my disciplinarians. Let me ask you something. Tell me three things that you think that men can do better. I don't mean all the stuff we do good. There's a lot of that stuff. What do you think that men can do better for society, for the elevation of women? women. For women, yeah. Thank you. I was gonna add. For the for elevation women? of women? For for the elevation, uh, again, I want to be careful as if like women don't need men, like, like you know, we're, we're not their saviors mm-hmm. of this nature, but we have been the gatekeepers for years and years and years and, you know, uh, for throughout society and held mm-hmm. the ceiling at a certain level. My question mm-hmm. is, what do you think that we can do? Three things that we would agree on. What I think men could do personally, I think men, for the sake of storytelling, I think people... They just exaggerate too much. Posturing. Men could posture less. A lot of posture. Okay. Yeah, man. Just so much posture. Okay, give me a second man. one. Good God almighty, man. Give me a second one. Uh, I think that men could compliment each other more often. I think that would be healthier for their oh, psyche. rather yeah. because even Because even though, even though I know the talk about, about um, ceilings and stuff like that may be, may be viable, I think that people forget that those men are still competing with each other all the time. And Correct. sometimes they need to let that go a little bit and be right. like, man, just relax, man. We're just all in this room hanging out, you know, just relax. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be so, so they need to compliment each other more and be a little bit less competitive every step of the way. You got guys competing about who could finish the beer fastest. I mean, come Good. on. Love dude. that one. And give me a third one. Real quick, something specific you know? and, and specific to what can we do to help um, raise that ceiling that we get out of the way of women, that we are helping elevate them in all ways. Uh, I think I think a very simple thing. They should they should praise their mothers publicly every chance they get because it'll remind them about the force that a woman is in their life on such a steady basis. They need Men to remember what their mothers, mothers are. You said. Love that's that. right. Praise your mothers. And that way, when you look at a woman, you realize that's a potential mom you're looking at right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And that's I- what I think. It has nothing to do with career. It could be a career, but think about, think about when you're looking at a woman. Think about how you want someone looking at your mom, you know? Yeah. Or in our case, mine and Justin, we have daughters. I have two daughters. Yeah. And I see how they walk through the world, and it's different yeah. than my two boys, the things they're told. Yeah. I got a boy six and four years old, and the one that's almost five, my daughter. You see her? Yeah. People come around her like, oh, my God, you're so pretty. You're so cute. You're so wonderful. She's four and a half. This is what they tell her. Pretty, yeah. cute. You must dance so good. Do you like ballet? They see my son. Oh, you look so smart. Oh, look how great you are at this. They're all complimenting oh, other things about him. Let and me with tell the, you, With man. my daughter, it's just it's, it's physical you, things. And perpetuating in her mind, already I can see what the world sees her as. Um, or, and that's know, disappointing. And that's disappointing. So we have to, someone like you has to actually um, change that behavior. And I would add a fourth, praise a woman that you're not related to. <laughs> Love that. Totally. People too. And you can see how they're totally. being treated. And also, totally. No doubt that. about it. Yeah. 
So, but I love these. I love these, Gavin. Yeah, really I, I, I agree. With, I agree with that too. And I, I want to point something out. Something that bothers me. We're telling these young girls that the princesses. We're creating this thing, this fantasy, that they're a princess. Oh, and you're gonna look for the king in the castle, and the it, it, we're painting an expectation. Why does that have to be the goal? to be a princess. You gotta meet the richest guy in the world, is that it? And then when they're 20, we're telling them money doesn't matter. What? You just told me my whole childhood that if I'm lucky, I'm gonna meet the guy who lives in the castle. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that she's incomplete without him. All of that. That's exactly right, and it's so messed up. Yeah. So with that, can we go into rapid fire? Yeah. What are you afraid of? I am afraid of sucking. <laughs> uh-huh. That's fair. Liz, ask, ask another one. Okay. When was the last time you cried, Gavin? I cried a week ago. What'd you cry about? Uh, my parents. Mm, my parents. Sweet. Cried thinking about my parents. Mm. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you apologized to someone? About three hours ago. Uh, he, uh, it was my dude at the, uh, he was at the elevator. He stood there for like 10 minutes. I was like, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> oh, right. Gotcha. <laughs> Sweet. Okay, um, Justin, do you want to do the time travel question? Oh, you know what? There was a moment no, here. I want to, I want to, I, I want to tell us just because it's something that bugged me for years. Um, I made a record years ago and I had never worked on a record like this before in this way. I was a bar guy, you know, playing music in bars. And uh, I ended up in the studio with this, with this fella and he was super talented. And I wasn't sure the record was going the way I wanted to. I'd never heard myself sound like that. I was really uncomfortable. And I know I just tortured this guy, this producer. And I was young, you know. And like 10 years went by and it always bothered me. And one day I picked up the phone and I said, hey man, I, I'm so sorry. Now I realize what you were having to do. And mm. I just want to let you know that I, I really appreciate that you that you got through with me. And I just apologize because I know that must have been so fucking hard for you, you know? It's great. And he really appreciated you. it, you know? That's something I carry with me now is kind of keeping that mentality on it. It's never too late to apologize if you, if, if, if you can, uh, if they're at all, if there's added any way to contact them. Right, you right. Know? Well, that's great, man. That's great to yeah. hear that you did that. That's a great, that's a great example. All right. That's right. Uh, you have a time travel device, Gavin. Okay. You get, oh, to, boy. Go, you get to go back in time. And you get to tell your younger self What is it? Uh, fuck. I don't know. I mean, that's so heavy. Uh, it's not always going to be this hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. All right. So now yeah. you get to go forward. You get back in this time machine. And let's yeah. fast forward 40 years, 50 years, right? And you are at the end of your life now. And everyone in your, your, your friends and those that you've left behind, kids, if you have them, 
um, siblings, all that nature come to your funeral and they're going to say something about you, right? You're a ghost there. You get to listen to what all these people that you've had impact on. What do you <laughs> hope that they would be saying about you? His new record was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perfect. You don't want that. That's a cop out. <laughs> Come on, Gavin. Uh, what would I have them say about me? Not have them. What would you hope? You lived your life, man. You've left your mark, your footprints, your legacy that you've left behind. What would you hope that they would say about you? Uh, mm, uh, when it mattered, he always showed up. Wonderful. Gavin, what does it mean to be man enough? What, what does it mean to you? Well, there's a lot there. Um, I think you need to embrace the fact that you're imperfect and you're broken and you're a work in progress. Mm. It's, it is more important to try than it is to succeed. Mm. And um, and I think that we all kind of need to embrace that as a uh, as a whole, um, and that you don't have to be one particular thing to be man enough. I think that you have to be man enough in each individual moment, and that requires a different man, oftentimes a different mm. type. You have to be the man of the time that you're that you're experiencing within that, you know, within that circumstance. Thanks, yeah. Gavin. It's great. That's answers. beautiful. Thank you. Well, Gavin. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, shit. You are enough, my friend. And you are man enough. Hey, man. You too, brother. Yes, Thank sir. you for being on our show. Uh, Thank uh, you. I, your music is so beautiful. I've always been a fan of your music. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's so, this new album is so incredible. And what you have done for your parents, the fact that you could give this gift to them before, especially before your dad passed, is so beautiful. And I hope that it has been helpful in your mm -hmm. grieving process. And um, yeah. I hope you cry all the tears that your heart needs you to cry. Yes, yeah, man. I appreciate thank, that. Thank you so much for being Very here. Very blessed. Man. Thanks so much. Thank and you, you know, guys. And, and Gavin is important thank to us. For that. And Justin, you can see because uh, he is on vacation. Um, but he, yeah. here he is struggling back and forth he on his really iPhone, his be iPad, because he wanted to be yeah. here. So, wow. Um, I really, I really appreciate that. Um, just so you know, this was deeper and more beautiful than I had anticipated, and it was. Uh, as far as the conversation, it was very therapeutic for me. So I, I really appreciate you guys digging in and uh, it's yeah. beautiful. You know what we do as men all the time, as people, women do this too, but I, but from my experience, we walk around posturing. We come in with Superman all the time. We want people to see our accolades and, and you know, that we're not, uh, that we're taller than what we really are or stronger than we are or more, whatever it is. And the fact that you had said that, imagine if we did that all the time. Like when you go mm -hmm. to your next yeah, session, man. before you go write a song with people or when you're with producers or yeah, when you're man. in a record company meeting, that you ask people, yeah. what's going on? Tell me something that you're struggling with. Yeah, man. But it's gotta be specific. Like how can you be a better woman or a better man or a better person? Uh, that's what we're trying to do here and create so we don't have to posture and take off our cape. I, I, I agree with you, you know? We need to be asking 
each other about how they how their day is, how they're doing, how they feel, how their heart you know, is, making how them making is. them feel good, making them feel good. Not ask them about what they do for a living. I don't care about that. And you yeah. know what I mean. And that's why I like this. This is special to me. So I really do. I really do appreciate it. And I do appreciate you taking the time. And um, man, it was helpful for me. So thank, thank you. you. Thanks, oh, Gavin. Well, thank hey, it was you. awesome. We can go deeper Thanks, anytime guys. you want, Gavin. Thank you yeah. so much for coming. I appreciate it. Thank All you, right. guys. Thank you, Gavin. We adore you. All right. Thank you so much, Gavin. We will be right back. This is Man Enough. I don't know if I'm going to be back, but at least Jamie and Elizabeth will see. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Man Enough. I'm imagining the... The music to get in uh, it. Is the music going? That's right. Where's Justin? Justin is um, having a mental breakdown. Um, Justin is going his to dinner. Phone. We've he convinced is. him to leave his phone. He did the entire podcast with like an empty phone battery. And so That's he's right. charging his phone. And actually, this was a whole plot to That's get right. Justin to go to dinner without his phone. Um, was to record the podcast, drain his entire battery, overheat mm-hmm. his phone. And now he's going to have a pleasant time with his Amazing. family. But he made it through the interview with Gavin. So here he we are. Really we're did. Gonna, we're going to wrap it up real quick, you and I. Yeah. Um, it's always fun when Justin's not with us anyways you know i know it's fun we get to talk about him we get to talk Uh, about him his beard his beard i like it you do don't you it's not that bad i'm sorry it is it looks good i I love a good beard all right good all right you know what gavin said we should compliment men more men to men so i'm gonna say justin i love it when you don't wear your beard you have a beautiful Uh, face without (laughs) that beard All right. Anyways, um, Liz, that was yeah. really sweet to talk to Gavin. We got that to learn. Um, I love how he's talked about his parents. That's if, if out of everything he shared, he it was his them. honoring of his parents. He loves them. Um, and I and I think he. I've read so many books about gender, and I think about this stuff all the time. I think Gavin thinks about a lot of different things than me and produces magic and creativity that I could never. And I think that he dropped some gems. And he did. And understands masculinity and manhood and gender in in a way that um, I learned a lot about. Um, I think his his take on on again what a coward is I thought was really really cool yeah. in the sense that it's a different definition that we're used to hearing. When we call a man a coward, usually it's like you know it it, it means it's happening to you. And the fact that he used it as a definition of standing up for the little guy, standing yeah. up for others, I think is so powerful. I love that. And yeah, I loved his definitions of manhood it. and masculinity. And I learned that, you know, we have different perspectives and he had great yeah. thoughts to share. I loved it. Yeah. yeah, it's all about humanity. Um, all right, well, Liz, where can they find us? Uh Oh gosh, uh, you that is not my emotional labor. Oh I my God, like you it, got we, it. No, but you I feel like it. you have held it so well that I don't actually know what our website oh, is. Oh, you don't know Manenough.com slash podcast. Is that what it is? You just said it. Oh, my God. Look okay, great. You're I, so brown even when you're I, not. Uh, biosmosis. Thinking. But listen, uh, if you like what you heard, come back and uh, listen to another episode. Uh, you can find us at manenough.com slash podcast. You can follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. what's the other ones? TikTok and all those cool Stitcher, stuff. That... Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. YouTube. You can watch Watch us on YouTube. Yeah, you can. Uh, You can, Uh, oh my God. See you next time. This is Mad Enough. Enough. 
Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Kerry Rathode from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kahea Kiwaha is our producer. Brandy Cole is head of marketing. Susie Landers O'Connell is our assistant editor. And Josh Schneider is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.